0: I'm Ray Guan, and this is Here at Haas, a student-run podcast of the Berkeley Haas community. Today, we're joined by Chuck Diara, a kid from Mali who just takes it one day at a time. Chuck is an evening weekend student of the class of 2022. Welcome to the podcast, Chuck.
1: Ah, thank you for having me, Ray. Uh, I know we're playing... To do this for a while. I'm excited to be here today. Hopefully, I won't bore you too much.
0: Happy to have you on here, man. Yeah. We've got a lot to get to. So, why don't you first tell our listeners about kind of your beginnings, where you came from, and what you did prior to Haas?
1: Okay. So, my name is Chick. And prior to Haas, a lot of people call me Omar. That's my middle name. Originally from Mali, born and raised. For those who don't know, Mali is located in, you know, West Africa. And, fun facts. Some of the first universities in the world are from Mali, in a town called Timbuktu. And I know when we talk, we say Timbuktu is somewhere so far away. If you think of Mali, think of Timbuktu. Mm -hmm. And also another fun fact, the richest man in the history of mankind is from Mali. He took a lot of gold from Mali and went to Saudi Arabia. So those are some fun facts. So I was there until I was 16, and my parents moved to the Netherlands for my mom's job. So I did part of my uh, high school there prior to moving to the U.S. And I went to Arizona mm-hmm. State University for my undergrad, got a bachelor in biochemistry. Worked for a couple of years, got bored, and decided to apply to pharmacy school. I ended up finding myself at UCSF, good school. And again, that was not a straight shot because I had applied the year before I did not get in. So it took me a second time to get into pharmacy school. While I was in pharmacy school, I knew second year that... Right away, business school will be something i will be interested in. And I tried getting in while I was graduating. And again, didn't get in business schools right away, which was a blessing in disguise. We could talk about that uh, much further. And then second time around, apply, and here I am. And in the meantime, I'm in biotech, work for Genentech, and
0: so far, loving my job. Nice. There's a lot to unpack there, Chad. Yeah. Or I guess Omar, I should call you going forward. Like, Like I said, as long as you don't say both at the same time, we're good. <laughs> yeah. So growing up in Mali, I think you mentioned that you're the youngest of six. Yes. Tell us like how that experience was. Like how was living in like a big family and especially being the youngest? Well,
1: for me it was great. And I think by the time I was born, maybe my parents were already tired. And, you know, I was 12. And I have three brothers, two sisters, and my sisters really stepped in a lot because my parents had full-time you know, jobs and sisters sort of play that motherly role, which really helped me shape into the person I am today, even just seeing women as your equal. In those societies, women aren't always viewed as equal, but I think having that experience of being raised by women really helped me understand that it's not a matter of your gender, it just comes down to the person you are. Mm -hmm. And being in an environment also surrounded by poverty, there's a lot of poverty in Mali, but yet you find people who still have the ability to find joy and be happy. I grew up around people who could only afford a meal a day. And honestly, they would invite you to come eat their meal with them. So meaning it gives Mm -hmm. you perspective. So I think it gave me a rich experience as far as even how do you navigate social norms, being able to just talk to people within your neighborhood. Uh, Everybody knows Everybody, everybody is able to talk to one another. So it was great. And growing up, play a lot of soccer. And my brothers introduced me into that game. So I I would consider it a blessing, honestly.
0: Yeah. And then it sounded like you moved around, uh, you mentioned, to the Netherlands yes. and then to the U.S. Yes. Like what prompted those moves?
1: So my mom got into ICC, which is the International Criminal Court. And that's located in The Hague. So for that reason, the family had to move. To the Netherlands. And that's why. Uh, so they were there actually for about 13, 14 years, but now they moved back to Mali.
0: And then you started school at ASU here in the US. Yeah. And then after that, went to pharmacy school. Uh-huh. How did you, I guess, develop an interest in medicine? So actually,
1: even while I was in Mali, when I was little i remember just seeing people with white coats and i just thought that was the coolest thing ever when i go to the hospital or the clinic i'm not feeling too good and somebody come a a lady or a gentleman comes with a white coat on it it almost felt like superman was coming to save the day and as i got into college i wanted to i thought about going to med school too but I have an older brother who went to med school. So I was like, if my older brother went to med school, I'm gonna have to try to do something different. And uh, pharmacy or pharmacology, those were the two things I had in mind. So I decided to major in biochemistry with an emphasis on medicinal chemistry so I could see whether that could lead me to either a doctoral program in pharmacology or I'll go to pharmacy school. And also growing up, I knew medicine was a big deal people not only couldn't afford medicine and at times they also didn't know exactly what to take or what to do about their the condition so i've always been i was also a sick kid growing up so i think healthcare was always something i was interested in
0: and i think as you're talking about your family here it strikes me that your family with you and your brother and possibly others placed like a great deal of emphasis on education
1: that is correct and for me honestly going to school was never about I never had to think of it, so I just grew up watching my five older siblings going to school. I just say, oh, okay. It's like eating breakfast. You know, Everybody's eating breakfast. Everybody's eating lunch. Everybody's going to school. Okay, it's time to go to school. So I never really had to think much about it. And luckily, I have all the siblings that were much brighter and got better grades. So, you know, I didn't have that much, uh, how would I say, pressure. At least out of the six, fives are doing pretty good. So, Parents can't be too mad, but it was great. Uh, it was easy to just follow along without anybody really telling you what to do.
0: Yeah, I, I would say you're not doing too bad yourself, Jack, <laughs> being here at Berkeley Haas and graduating from pharmacy school. Throughout that entire time, yeah. were, were there any like kind of defining moments that really led you one way or the other?
1: Actually, yes. If I were to think of one, I think it would be in fifth grade. Uh, my fifth grade teacher, actually, I still talk to, was amazing. In Mali, the school system was really a little harsh, meaning whatever the teacher says, go. And whenever this teacher, Mrs. Kone, she would give us homework, math homework in class, and she would tell you to do it. And at times I was like, well, is there another way I could possibly do this homework? And mind you, if you try to deviate from what teachers tell you back in those days, you get whooped. And she would always say, oh, actually, you want to try a different way to do this? Well, give it a try. So I'll try. Some days it will work. Some days it won't work. But the fact that she encouraged me to try something different instead of punishing me by trying to be myself, that's it with me um, throughout because it made me realize that it's okay to think differently. But she could have robbed me from that opportunity by saying, how dare you not follow You know my instructions? Who do you think you are? Using? So she, it, it was never that way. And I'm really, really grateful. And to this day, honestly, we exchange text messages. We talk, we laugh, we joke. And I can't repay her for being that open-minded. And it, it, it goes a long way. And I think it's, it's impacted me throughout my school choices my career choices how i go about looking into things as far as what i want to do next
0: actually we've come to see two of our defining leadership principles already identified in your story right like here she's saying that it's okay they'll challenge the status quo and then throughout you've applied this principle throughout all the different experiences that you've been and demonstrating that kind of student always so i want to gradually shift here to talking about your time at Haas, uh-huh. and similar to pharmacy school, it looked like you didn't get in the first time oh, and then reapplied. Can you tell our listeners yeah. that story?
1: So in second year in pharmacy school, I took a class on entrepreneurship and business, and that class was so amazing. I told myself, I said, you know what, I'm going to business school right after pharmacy school. It's just going to be a stray shot. And my fourth year in pharmacy school, I applied to Haas, and the evening and weekend pro Programs. So I got an interview and didn't get in. But it was a blessing in disguise because honestly, I didn't realize how much I needed a break until I stopped going to pharmacy school because it was brutal. And, and I think some of the feedback I received after being rejected was to really go out there and explore a little bit more and then reapply, which was actually really good advice because he second time around I think I had a better understanding of things I needed or I was or I wanted to acquire through a business school and how I was gonna go about applying them moving forward. So and it's and I think it took me two years to reapply and things worked out on the second time around. But it was the right decision for being rejected the first time around.
0: What did you do during those two years, like specifically to improve your application? So,
1: so I wouldn't even say per se improving application. I think I just went about life. I, I knew I had a pharmacy degree. I needed need to put bread on the table. I needed to work. I started looking for jobs and I went from working at a retail pharmacy temporarily, which I'm not in love with, but kudos to everybody who's out there working in pharmacies and ended up finding myself uh, a genetic the first time around, and at the end of my first year there, that's when I reapplied uh, to business school, and it worked out, and he, here we are.
0: The reason I ask is because we've had other guests on the show that spoke of how they got rejected from the program years ago before yeah. applying a second time and getting in. We've had some folks that applied to the full-time program and didn't get in, and then our all-star candidates in the EWNBA. So what would you recommend then to someone in your shoes who has recently gotten rejected from Haas or has been rejected a few times?
1: So I think Haas does something that I believe is amazing, uh, given the fact that they give you the opportunity to receive feedback on your application. I would say if you apply to Haas and they are providing you an opportunity to hear back why you didn't get in, and I think that's when you get an interview and you don't get in. I think first, take those uh, opportunities and learn what they have to say about your application. And and then you can determine from their own how you could go ahead and making yourself more competitive. Second, if you don't even get an interview, but you're still interested in business school, I would say look yourself in the mirror and reassess your strength and areas you could improve on. And honestly, give it a second try. And I think you'd be surprised how sometimes we're so close and we don't realize it we may give up but by pushing a little further things may work out just fine and I think I'm just also overly optimistic in general and I just think as long as you want something you keep pushing for it eventually it'll work
0: out there's a uh, word for that I think Uh, we had a class yesterday where we talked about grit and how to measure that yeah let's talk about your experience at Haas now your In your second year now, we've just finished the core classes. What was your favorite class so far at
1: Haas? Ah, You know, I've had a lot of good classes, and I I, I do have to say macroeconomics with Professor Ross was Mm -hmm. one of the most memorable class at Haas. And I think beside him being brilliant, and I think all, all of our professors are, I think the humanity in him really touched me. And I'll give you a few examples. So whenever Professor Ross take an example, an executive, he he would use the pronoun, the female pronoun, she, because most of us are biased when we talk about CEOs and just say him or he. So I think he's so self-aware that he understood that it does not just have to be a male gender. And I think he was conscious enough to make everybody else comfortable. And in case there was a female in the room, who uh, aspire to be a CEO at some point. And as somebody who came from another country, so whenever we're talking about adding workers to the economy, he would never use the word immigrant. And I think he was also mindful of that, meaning how do we preserve humanity in folks who come here seeking a better life? And a third piece, he's a sci- scientist, he's a researcher, and I think he understands that truth, as we know today, may move based on your evidence tomorrow. So he would at all times invite you to challenge his own views based on what he knew at that point in time. And again, it was more important to him for us to get in the habit of just challenging conventional wisdom rather than just taking it and say, yeah, this is it. It's not going to move. So, I, I and again, going back to my fifth grade teacher where it's okay to challenge how we do things or how we view things. I think that I'm always gonna take that with me. So shout Great. out to Professor Ross.
0: So we at Berkeley at Haas pride ourselves in being diverse and doing our best efforts to recruit and have a diverse student body. How has your experience here been as a black student?
1: I've definitely received a lot of support. I'm grateful for that. and and i know there's always room for improvement and if we take a look at our class as it stands i think there're only maybe 5 of us black students to be more precise and i think the school and maybe also us we should all find ways to maybe do something about that whether we have to expand on our on our recruiting efforts to ensure that we're attracting black candidates who may be interested in pursuing an mba and some of us too honestly to put ourselves out there as role models so we give people the opportunity to just see themselves here at Haas. So I think it should take a concerted effort uh, on our part, but I think the numbers could definitely be better. And I think the the, the larger society would benefit uh, from that.
0: I remember reading an article from a few years ago in Poets and Quants where they mentioned for as much as Haas prides itself on presenting a diverse student body, only 2% of admitted students were black in a recent intake. And so fortunately, since then, the school has taken action not only in admitting more black and underrepresented minorities, but also creating positions um, within the staff and administration specifically focused on improving DEI efforts. But going back to your experience with Professor Levin and the academics, how do you think you're gonna apply what you've learned so far with classes into your job or career?
1: So this is a good one, because honestly, there's been a bit of soul searching on my part. And I think mm-hmm. prior to coming to Haas or even a year ago, my main thing was some of the things I was telling myself, so I gotta be an executive at a biotech company. And I think mindset may have shifted a little bit. So I think nowadays it's more directional rather than destination specific. So I'll expand on that. So destination Mm -hmm. meaning where I want to be is secondary. So nowadays, just trying to focus on growth and impact. So I think having the opportunity to grow in any role I'm currently in and also looking around and see how am I impacting my surrounding? And I think whether that leads me to a specific position, that's great. But I don't think that's as important anymore. And as far as what I'm learning, there are things I'm interested in. I love entrepreneurship. I think I like strategy. I'm expanding on my finance skills. And I think as long as Mm. there's growth, fulfillment and impact, I think things will work out. But I definitely uh, plan on remaining within the biotech slash healthcare space.
0: I think it's a good point you made about maybe the destination isn't really like the final, like end all and be all. I know a lot of MBA programs, you know, students go in with the mindset, okay, I want to be an executive here, or I want to be like the VP of finance yeah. at this company, yeah. but along the way, really it's the journey. I think that kind of Haas yeah. highlights and can provide. Yeah. And I feel like if you're happy with that journey yeah. then the destination is really just a means to the end, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. If let's say for sake of having this conversation, you are a CEO at a company who doesn't have any product on the market, your pipelines aren't good, you are losing money, your employees are leaving the company. You are a CEO, but are you really having any impact on society? You have the title, but at the end of the day, is what are you, are you contributing to the greater good of this world, not. But if you are contributing in, an, in a different capacity, you're not a CEO, but your work is contributing to enhancing the welfare of society. Yes, you're not a CEO, but I think you could walk with that satisfaction. I've contributed to something. So that's why I say right. it's not destination. Honestly, it is gotta be directional.
0: Right. Awesome. Well, we just have some lightning round questions. Huh? These are gonna just be quick Q and A's. So first one for you, check. Mm-hmm. what's a book or podcast recommendation you have? The book, Give and Take by Adam Grant. Okay, Adam yep, Adam Grant's a mm-hmm. famous economist, mm-hmm. one of my favorite reads actually. Mm-hmm. And he has, I think, also a podcast in the blog.
1: When I read that book, it really resonated with me so much. and Because I'd ended, I think, giving, is the most important thing in life.
0: And then what's a habit that you've picked up during this extended shelter in place?
1: Actually, I would say a habit that I've lost, which is working now. <laughs> so I used to work out all the time. And because I'm now, not having access to the gym, so the habit I picked is a bad one, now moving around. So unfortunately, I need to work on that. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. The listeners, Jack and I are both standing and, and check. Uh, I know you're a big fan of standing and working yeah. versus sitting or crouching, yeah. you know, yeah. or even lying down some yeah. people. <laughs> cool, and I know you haven't mentioned yet, but I know that you are a fan of soccer mm-hmm. uh, or football. I should say football. Football. There you go. <laughs> what is your favorite athlete? Or who is your favorite athlete?
1: Cristiano Ronaldo. And it's not because of the look, and I think it's because of the work ethics. <laughs>
0: And I think, and also the way he dresses, right? Uh, he's a pretty sharp guy.
1: I honestly think the work ethic because he's been able to maintain
0: consistencies
1: throughout his career, even though he's not getting any younger. And I think the output is still there. And mm-hmm. from what people say, he started with limited talent, but work really allowed him to just elevate to the next level and he goes about it religiously.
0: So I was actually in living in Madrid, yeah. I was doing a masters over there yeah. in 2014-15 when he was obviously the star of Real Madrid mm-hmm. and the city just went wild. Yeah. yeah.
1: I always wanted to be a soccer player, but reality checked in I'm not that good, so Yeah, I am.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I think if there's like a Haas intramural football team, you know, we'll see you on it. I don't know. We'll see. And you mentioned that everyone has a superpower, give or take, but what's yours, Beck?
1: I think just being like annoyingly positive all the time. And I think I because perspective matters. and, and, And I think how you frame things in your head can go a long way. And for instance, I don't see dead end I see detours, I don't see barriers, I see stepping stones. So I think how you reframe things in your head could really determine whether you have the ability to push a little bit more. And you just referred to the word grit. And I think at the end of the day, life is made out of peaks and valleys. And even your heartbeat, if you look at it, it drops and it goes up. So that's just life. Mm. You have to embrace the low, the mid and the high and things work out.
0: And just to wrap up this interview, Jack, what's next for you? What electives are you having? Yeah. What are your plans after graduation? So yeah.
1: electives, that's a good one. And, and and I know Haas does a great job giving us templates regarding electives we may want to take to pursue a specific path. And I also, I'm thankful just to the fact that they allow you to just take whatever you're interested in, personalize your learning. And I think I might go that route. And again, there are different things that I'm interested in that may not all just fall within one track. And with that being said, I'm still in the realm of biotech and I'm going to try to stay there. I like the idea of strategizing to, to help determine whether companies should go with one drug on the market or into clinical trials versus another one by taking into account the competitive landscape and assess your risk of success, and then making decisions. So hopefully my current role is in safety science, which is specific to drug development. So hopefully I can expand on that role in a couple of years and being that strategic space and help with that. But it may change. And again, as I said, it's now destination specific is directional. As long as I'm yeah. given the opportunity to just uh, grow and hopefully have impact, be of service to my surrounding. I think I'll be all right.
0: <laughs> I, I think you'll be all right as well, Jack. Yeah. Thank you so much no. for coming on the podcast today, man.
1: No, thank you for being up this early just to listen to my boring self. So I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Here at Haas. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review. Check out our website for links, show notes, and other episodes. This episode was produced by Nick Gerwey and edited by Adam Ward. I'm Greg Wan, and we'll see you next time here at Haas.